We are taking a break from our uh, Matthew series. Um, we are looking at what it means to be part of Jubilee, really. What would we sense God uh, calling, to, calling us to as a church? Um, and last week we started that off with Raj looking at uh, as our vision as a church, bringing the joy news of Jesus to everyone, everywhere. And this week I'm going to look at our value. I'm going to look at two of our values and then... Um, Gavin is going to do the other two next week. But if you have a Bible with you, you can turn it to Isaiah chapter 60. Don't worry if you haven't, the words will be on the screen. But uh, if you have, you can turn it to Isaiah chapter 60. And we're going to read part of that passage this morning. But values are those kind of, values are those things that shape you. Values are those things that, that make Jubilee who Jubilee is. You know, values we know, individuals have values. You will have values. Sports teams will have values. Businesses will have values. Families will have values. And, and yes, church communities will have values. Those things that make them what they are. Some people kind of talk about it as the culture, the culture of a place. You know, you can have a, a very kind of can-do culture. Someone might say, in this family, in this sports team, we have a can-do culture. Someone might say about a business, they have a very toxic culture. You get the, 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 the type of language that is used. Um, and and a, few, a few years ago, we, we just sensed God speaking to us about um, really thinking about not what we're meant to do as a church, but who we're meant to be. Who we're meant to be. And we, we, after much prayer and help from a number of you here, we, we kind of came up with these four values. We call them our we values because there's four of them and they're we things. We do them together. Um, they're values that hold us together. Four values. I know we've, uh, we've done these before. If we've got, oh, we've got them up on the screen there. We can all read that, can't we? <laughs> that, that's in Farsi for our friends. Uh, we rejoice we welcome, we inspire, and we go. We've got them in English as well, I think, uh, on another slide. Our four values, we rejoice, we welcome, we inspire, and we go. And then under each of those values, we have a particular number of spotlights, the things that we, we sense God calling us at this particular time to press into around those values. So let's read this passage and we will uh, we'll get into a couple of those values this morning. So Isaiah chapter 60. Oh, and by the way, you might see these on your... Uh, we gave some of these out in the last week as well. That's just to help you remember. So if you get bored this morning, you can just have a look at that, can't you? It's got the vision on one side and the values on spotlights on the other. So Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble, all assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar. Your daughters are carried on the arm or on the hip. 
And then you will look and be radiant. Your hearts will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. The riches of the nations will come to you. Herds and camels will cover your land. Young camels, young camels of Midian and Ephah and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. All Kedar's flocks will be gathered to you. The rams of Nerebeth will serve you. They will be accepted as offerings on the altar. And I will adorn my glorious temple. We, a few of us went to a prayer day this week down in Sheffield as part of our family of churches. And uh, as we were praying, we were praying in this day for the nation, for our nation, for all the things that are happening in our nation. Confusion, cost of living crisis, um, uh, difficulties in our nation, but also the nations as well as we prayed for Iran uh, and uh, other places, Ukraine, Russia, parts of northern Ethiopia. Just things going on around our world, difficulties going on. We're praying for our nation and the nations. And someone, I can't remember who it was, prayed this passage. They prayed this passage and it stirred me. It stirred me to consider how we um, look at it this morning in the context of our values. See, Isaiah, the prophet, pictures this sun rising on Jerusalem. You know, with the sun rising, when you don't have electricity, you know, we're fine, aren't we? You get up earlier in the morning, you can switch the light on. When you don't have electricity, and hey, who knows what this winter will bring for some of us, but when you don't have electricity, the sun rising is, is a big event. It's a big deal. And Isaiah pictures the sun rising on Jerusalem. This is no normal sun, though, he pictures. This is God himself. Heaven invading earth, as we've been looking at this morning already. God himself is coming to them. This passage talks about the glory of the Lord. You know, what's the glory? The glory of the Lord is, you know, it's, it's the greatness. Everything that is great, everything that is wonderful, everything that is perfect, everything that is beautiful about God. It's his glory, the weight of his glory and his goodness. And obviously, often his glory is displayed as light. There's light pressing in to darkness. Really, this passage is a prophetic picture of Jesus. Actually, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness. And, you know, it says in Hebrews, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. It's about the church, Jesus said, didn't he? You are the light of the world, a city on a hill. Can't be hidden. So Isaiah's words here are hope to the people of Israel at the time, but they're hope for us as well. They're to strengthen us as well. And so I want to look at two of our values in the light of this passage. We rejoice. We rejoice. So we get this picture of God filling his people with his light, encountering his glory. And what will that produce? a worshipping people, a rejoicing people. That's our first value. We rejoice. We're, we rejoice when we, when we see the glory of God, when we encounter his goodness, his greatness. It causes us to rejoice, doesn't it? Listen, the 16th century uh, church leader, John Calvin, 
wrote this. He compares it in this passage. The glory of the Lord rising on us, he says, is, is, like, um, is like light as God smiles as he displays his grace. The light of God's smile as he displays his grace to you and me. See, so often we think of God as being grumpy. God is grumpy. We better rejoice and make God feel better. That's sometimes how we think, isn't it? God is grumpy. No, no, no. God is glorious. God is happy. God is, fo- God is bursting with joy and longing to share it with you and I. And so we can sometimes come in that sense, but we, we come this morning knowing you know, he's, he's full of joy, full of love. He smiles as he displays his grace to you and I. The God of the universe loves you and loves me. We rejoice. It says, verse 5, your hearts will throb and swell with joy. You've got verse 6, of pe- people coming and praising God. You've got verse 7, it's all about offerings and sacrifices and altars. And this is a picture of thankfulness, a picture of worship. See, that's what our first call is, to be worshippers. Uh, George Muller, the... Uh, um, George Muller lived about 150 years ago in the southwest of England and started a number of orphanages in that area. You may know of him. Um, And, uh, you know, a busy guy running all these orphanages. You might think, what's his priority every day? Perhaps his first foremost priority is making sure there's enough food for the orphans. Perhaps it's making sure there's enough givers giving. Perhaps it's making sure that he serves the Lord that day. But George Muller said this. He said, Um, the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. To have my soul happy in the Lord. Not not happy in the sense that our culture thinks of it, just like, you know, do whatever you like and be happy. Whatever makes you happy, do that. No, no, be happy in the Lord. He said, that's the first thing. That's the most important thing I need to attend to every day, to be happy in God and rejoice in all he has done. That's why I so loved our, our um, prayer week that we've just had. Everywhere prayer where actually we weren't necessarily coming with lists of things, were we? It wasn't like, okay, here's the lists of things to pray for. No, no, it was we're going to encounter God. That's why we gave loads of time to encountering God, enjoying him. That's why we gave time to just being in his presence, knowing that he loves us and hearing his voice. And then say, now out of that, we're going to pray for these things. And that's why in our community groups, we, uh, we say, you know, share with one another. Share. Everywhere, everywhere prayer. Share with one another about how you can pray for one another. What's going on in your life? That's why we do it in our weekly prayer meeting here, 9.15 to 9.45. Why we do it in our monthly prayer meeting when we all gather together. Everywhere prayer. And then leading on, every day, wor- uh, sorry, every one worship. So in this passage, we have different nations coming to praise God. Nations from outside of Israel. Um, even other nations, lambs and sheep were acceptable in worship. People were coming from Sheba. That's um, uh, kind of modern day Yemen and parts of Ethiopia and Eritrea. Uh, Kedar and Naoboth, that's a reference to parts of Arabia, everyone worship. When we gather 
is for all. No matter your age, no matter your background, no matter your nationality, it's everyone worship. Again, I loved it, the prayer week, praising God, worshipping with our Farsi friends as they led us in Farsi songs. As Artem led us in a, a, um, a song in his language and he played and we worshipped. Everyone worship coming together. This is David Anderson, the um, American church leader, says this. He says, people coming from different backgrounds to worship, we kind of get something of the heart of God as we do that. Uh, And he says, it's out of this kind of worship that we honour one another as one body joined under one head, Jesus Christ. And out of commitment to Christ and love for one another, we rejoice with those who rejoice. So we rejoice. What about the word in everything? This is what Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. You know, in a world of fake news, of confusion, what do I believe, of often darkness, we have the light of God's word. We've got the light of God's word. And that's what rejoicing is. Rejoicing is, no, we know the, we know the big story. We know who's in charge. We know who wins. We know there's a God who loves us because it tells us. And we can encounter him as we read it. We know the big story. And it's not just information for our heads. It's a lamp for our feet. I remember when Paul was leading the team, he wrote a booklet, Living in the Light of, living in the light of Truth. It was about how we live in the light of truth. It's because it's a lamp for our feet as we walk. Okay, so we welcome, we welcome. There's no doubt in this passage that all are invited to encounter God. And there's this picture of all sorts of people gathering. It says your sons and daughters. It says nations will come to your light. So your sons and daughters, so people like you. And nations, people who might not seem like you. All are welcomed to Jesus. That's why our second value is we welcome. And we, we, we talk about being a multicolored family. That's not simply just ethnicity. It's saying everyone is invited to encounter Jesus. But in order for this to happen, we have to make space for one another. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, perhaps you've seen the demolition of uh, Stockton Car Park, the uh, Castlegate Car Park. Has anyone seen it? Is it driving here maybe or because you live here? You've seen they're demolishing the car park. I understand they're demolishing the Swallow Hotel and then they're demolishing the Castlegate Centre. Really in order to make space, make room to connect the, the river to the town. Stockton people, have I got that right? That's the idea, isn't it? There's this connection between the river and the town. They're making space for something new, for a new connection and you know, I, I thought about that. God really spoke to me as I, as I drove past that demolition. You know, I think we need to, churches need to do the same. We need to do the same. Maybe not physically, 
um, but space in a different way. We have to make space if we want to be a multicolored family. You know, we, we all like the things we like, don't we? We're all a bit like that. We all like the things. We like things how we like them. But you know what? If we want to continue to welcome young people and children and people from different backgrounds and people from different nationalities, that will sometimes mean making space. In fact, I think that will often mean making space. Making space in the sense of our worship or in our gatherings or in our groups or in our teaching. It'll involve making space. And I think, I think that's healthy. I think that's a healthy thing. I think it's healthy to say, do you know what? That thing, th- that, that way of doing things, it wasn't to my taste. But oh, I see how it's very Jesus-centered and it's helping others to follow Jesus. Look, silly example, silly example. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I don't like songs with actions. <laughs> I don't. There were days where I don't. But I know the kids love them. And you might love them. And I know it helps the kids to worship and encounter Jesus. So on those days when I'm feeling like, I don't want to do it, I do it. Maybe you have your thing that you think, oh, I don't really like doing that. But do you know what? It's not sin. It's Jesus-centered and it's helping others to engage and encounter with God. Maybe it's singing songs in other languages. I don't know what it might be for you. But let's make space for one another. Honour one another. Okay, extraordinary welcome. Extraordinary welcome. And that is more than just church meetings. Actually, if, it, if we just focus it on Sundays, extraordinary welcome just means a few people that come on a Sunday as visitors. And that's where our extraordinary welcome will, will extend to. A few people every week. But if it's out there, Do you know what? It's hundreds of people every week because they're experiencing the welcome of God through you and I. Through projects that we run, through social action projects, through who you meet day to day in your workplace, in your school. An extraordinary welcome. And we've all got a part to play in that. Let me use this example briefly of a family I stayed with recently overnight and uh, do you know what I came to the door I was greeted by one of the children they took me into the room another child went and got me a pair of slippers sit down here (laughs) brought me a pair of slippers another the dad had been cooking and made some delicious food that we all sat and enjoyed and his wife kind of just uh, helped settle me in and show me where my, the room that I would be staying is and then took me to their small group on that evening. They all had a part to play in welcoming me that evening. And we've all got a part to play in welcoming those around us. We've all got a part to play. What's your gift? What's your gift? Maybe it is, maybe it is offering a meal to someone. Maybe it is just texting someone or calling someone to check up on them. Maybe it's offering a lift to someone, to, a, to some kind of gathering or some place. 
Maybe it's inviting someone to your group. Maybe it's just making friends with someone. Or maybe it is just a, a friendly welcome and a conversation on a Sunday. If you don't know what it is, if you just say, I don't know, I, I want to I be involved in that. Get in touch with us. We'll find you a, something to do. We'll find you a role. We'll help you to be able to do that. Extraordinary welcome. And then finally, missional hub. See, we, as Raja said, we want to develop this building as a missional hub. Uh, and not just a missional hub that says, just come here. It's, it's, it's a missional hub that, as Raja was talking about last week, we can develop communities from. That from here, we can go to Teesside, develop new communities of faith across this region. And this will take faith too, you know, in order to make this, even just this little bit, in order to make this uh, disability friendly, uh, uh, pushchair friendly, uh, just warm and energy efficient, we're probably looking at about half a million pounds. You know, it might not cost too much to purchase it, but it might cost a lot to develop it. It's going to take faith. But we believe that God wants it to be a missional hub that we can reach more and more people across Teesside for Jesus. Okay, I want to do want to leave some room to um, respond at the end. As, I, as we finish, I want us to just draw us back to this Isaiah passage. See, what is it that holds all these things together that we've been talking about this morning? As we talk about we rejoice and we welcome. It's the light of God's glory. It's that Jesus is amongst us. It's that heaven has come to earth. It's not just us fumbling around in the dark trying to work out what's good and what's, what's good ideas and what's not good ideas. No, Jesus has come to us. His light and his life has come into our hearts, hasn't it? He's come to us. And you know, we see that in who Jesus is and gloriously in what he did at the cross for you and I. He took on darkness for you and I. He entered into our darkness. In fact, he entered into even the darkness of a tomb in his death as he was crucified. But gloriously, three days later, raised to life, raised into light, raised for you and I so that we could know him. And he calls us to enter into his life and enter into his light. Listen, perhaps you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian here this morning. Perhaps you're not sure where you are with the whole Christianity thing. Listen, you can enter into this light and this life today. He calls to you. He calls to you. He says, I want to bring you out of darkness into light. Maybe you just sense that in your life. Do you know, I, I just, it, it, feels like I'm, it feels like dark. It feels like I'm fumbling around in the dark. Jesus wants to bring you into his light. And bring you into his life. We'd love to talk to you about what that means this morning. If that's you. Talk to the person you came with. Talk to one of us. But perhaps you're a Christian here this morning. And you know, as I, as I mentioned that Calvin quote about God's glory is, is like God smiling at us as he displays his grace. Perhaps you just need to know that afresh this morning. Perhaps there's difficulties you are facing right now. Perhaps life is hard. Perhaps there is sin issues in your life. That you know, I'm just struggling with that. 
Listen, you need to know the, the smile of God this morning as he displays his grace. His grace teaches you to say no. His grace helps you to live. And his grace comes to us again and again. Perhaps you just know, I just need to experience that smile of God, that heaven coming to me, heaven coming to earth, coming to me. I just need God to open my eyes afresh to see him. You know, I believe as we break bread together, he's going to do that. You know, when Jesus is with his disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus, and they don't know who he is yet, do they? And uh, they sit down, he prepares a meal, and it says that when he breaks the bread, their eyes are opened. And they see Jesus. You know, I believe as we break bread this morning, as we take the bread and the wine and remember all that Jesus has done for us, he wants to open our eyes afresh to who he is. He's with us as we do it. And he wants to open our eyes afresh to see him, see his goodness and his love for you and I. So we're going to do that. If the band could come up. the band, I'm just going to ask the band to play as we break bread together. Um, but as they come, let me just pray. And then as you, uh, as you kind of sense you want to, just kind of move out to the um, different stations. One here, one here, and then I think there's one upstairs as well. And break bread with one another. We're remembering what Je- remember, we're remembering what Jesus has done for us at the cross. So if you're, if you're visiting us, if you're from a different church, if you would consider yourself a Christian, we'd say we'd love you. In fact, encourage you to join in breaking bread with us this morning as we do it as a, a body of believers, not just the body of Jubilee Teesside, but the body of Christ worldwide. So let's break bread together. Lord Jesus, we love you. We honour you as our king. We love that light has dawned on us. That the glory of the Lord has risen on us. That Jesus, you have come to us. And you call us to arise and shine for you in this place. And we want to ask that, well, for those of us that are just feeling in difficulty this morning, where there's tough circumstances, we'd know the smile of God as you display your grace to us this morning. Even as we take the bread and the wine, again, receive fresh grace from you. The love of God. Thank you, it's your kindness that draws us to repentance, that leads us to repentance to you. And so we want to ask, would you be with us today as we break bread? Open our eyes afresh to see you and for the days ahead. Amen. Amen. Let's break bread as the band just play in the background and you know you can pray with one another, find out how one another are, how can I pray for you, but pray with one another that our eyes would be opened afresh to Jesus today.